Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, just what will the success of Spider-Man do for the future of the Spider-Verse? Different ways to cook your turkey this holiday. And will the return of an iconic character close out Disney's year on a high note? We may not be Mary Poppins, y'all, as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He has survived and made it back after a long trek back to Orange County. He has survived the Retro City Games Holiday Game Night, but just barely. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Good to see you still have a pulse, my friend. I was kind of thinking there was some gray area and there was some shaky times there, but I'm glad you pulled out and made it through. Yeah, man, it was fun. It was a good weekend. Definitely saw some things we can improve for next time, but yeah, I think it was a pretty good thing. It was indeed. It was a lot of fun. I want to thank, first off, everyone involved with Humanic Media, all the guys from Topic Ocalypse, Hyperschmidt, Trudie, Vettius, Miracle Fruit Oil with their awesome Vitabrace gaming bracelets that everybody seemed to go gaga over when they were there. The guys from Game Source who are handling the Fortnite tournament, Rob McCallum Films, Mario Party Wars, Go Brothers Gaming, and of course our hosts at Retro City Games. Cannot thank Doug, Nicole, Antonio, Josh, and the entire crew there. Just so awesome to have each and every one of you play such an integral part into a awesome holiday charity event where we raised a lot of money. We also got a lot of new toy donations and a lot of canned food donations. And those will go out to the charities at Three Square, Make-A-Wish Southern Nevada, and the UMC Children's Hospital. Just cannot thank enough for everyone who donated, everyone who participated, and everyone who had a great time there at the Retro City Games Holiday Game Night. Just truly cannot thank you enough. And you know what? Everybody seemed to like it so much. We may just be doing it again in the future. But it is going to be a great show we've got for you today. We've got Ben Arnault from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. He is back again with one last thing before the end of the year when it comes to a really nice cooking tip, this time for your turkey. Last year, he had a great grilling tip for your turkey. This year, with the holidays coming around and turkey still on the mind of a lot of people, he gives a great tip on how to cook a turkey this holiday season. Plus, we also have as well Mike Favor from the ESO Network and his a whole line of great shows, not only that he produces and that he's a part of, but all the great shows, including ours that's on the network as well. He is going to be talking about his top five in pop culture in 2018. He's going to be shouting out his list of all the great things and not so great things that really stuck out in his mind for 2018 in our continuing series He's coming up here in a little bit as well. And then we're also going to be talking about on the back end, is Disney's year going to be ending up on a high note with Mary Poppins Returns? We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on today's show. But first, my friend, it was a great weekend at the box office for Sony because it is going to be a big surprise hit when it comes to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. $35 million made domestically at the box office, even a lot more when it comes to worldwide take. 
although it didn't do what Aquaman did worldwide, it's still for a superhero movie, an animated movie, a movie that at maybe three, four months ago, a lot of people didn't expect to do it so well. Sony has announced that there's going to be not only a sequel to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, they've also talked about spin-offs for some of the characters within the movie. Your thoughts on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, now that it's not only a critical, but also a commercial hit, and where is that going to lead into when it comes to the, the actual whole Spider-Verse as well? Do you think it's going to go and, and merge somewhat into what was being talked about in the Spider-Man universe, maybe the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or do you think they should still continuously stay away from that and create their own Spider-Verse as well? I don't think they can merge because that's an animated flick in MCU's live action, but you know, it's cool that it's doing well. I would definitely like to see more animated Spider-Man films. It just depends on where they go with it. There are a lot of great stories that can be covered that can probably be done a lot easier than a live action version. Everyone wants to see like a Sinister Six and kind of explore. And it has the ability to explore things too that like the, the video game has dived into like with the Kingpin and Black Cat and things like that. So they definitely have a lot of places they can go, a lot of room to a lot of ground they can cover. But I don't see it tying to the MCU at all. I, I know they have their own plans as far as Miles Morales is concerned and eventually introducing him into the fold. You know, in 35 million, it's a pretty good number. But, you know, you look at it, the Grinch has been out for what, four or five weeks and it pulled in 11 million. So I'd just be curious to see what it's going to do in the following weeks and if it's going to be able to maintain those numbers. No, that's, that's a good opinion right there because you're right. The Grinch has had an extremely long lifespan. The legs are long on that movie. It has now actually surpassed Wreck-It Ralph on the list because Wreck-It Ralph, the previous number one for the past three weeks, that dropped to number four, while The Grinch, which was hovering around in the top five, actually moved up ahead of Wreck-It Ralph as far. And, and actually, during the week, it still seems to gain that number one slot from time to time as well. So those are good signs for The Grinch and everybody at Universal that was a part of it and Illumination. But I still think it's a great sign for Sony and Into the Spider-Verse because the fact is, is that no one expected this movie to do as well as it did. It was almost kind of like an afterthought at first when we talked about it, even way back in September, we were almost speaking of it as an afterthought as far as the entire list. We didn't think it would ha it, it would stand much of a chance. It would be in and out of theaters really quickly. And if it found any success, it would find it in a home video format. But I'm so glad that it actually has surpassed everyone's expectations, not only from a commercial, but a critical standpoint. And I actually am enjoying the fact that not only is it going to be a sequel that's been talked about, but also a spinoff of some of those characters. I hope that they don't do that in a movie format for some of those spinoff characters, because I don't see the same kind of returns for those spinoff characters in a movie format, but maybe some type of home video, streaming, or television format for those spinoff characters, that I think would be a great idea to go ahead and be able to put them on that type of platform so that they can have their own shows and still be able to prosper and still be able to go ahead and have those characters still be an integral part of the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, you know, there's a lot of room to grow. A lot of things they can do in the, the cartoon version that they can't do in the MCU, like they can, they can make it dark. They can have Morbius come on there. There's all kinds of things they can do, you know, that they, they did on the nineties cartoon. And that'd be cool to see. But, you know, again, it depends on are there Spider-Verse characters going to be involved or are they going to just go to Miles Morales? In which case I think there's going to be some issues with Marvel because Marvel wants to use him eventually. It's cool that this movie's so successful, but I, I just, I want to know how they're going to navigate character usage and all that stuff. If they were to, keep building on this on the level of shocked from one to 10 how shocked are you that we're actually talking about spider-man properties in an off year for tom holland spider-man still accumulating over a billion dollars which it is on target to do as far as the properties meaning venom and spider-man into the spider-verse combined will do over a billion dollars most likely by the end of 2018 there's a lot of love for the character. Like he is the most relatable Marvel superhero out there. And I, I get why people love him. That's why I love him growing up. That's why people 
still read his comic books and all the different iterations that are out there. And it doesn't surprise me at all. And especially since, you know, everyone's waiting to see what happens to him in Infinity War. There's a lot going on for this character and I, he's going to continue to grow. I don't think that this is going to be, I think next year is going to be a pretty strong year for him as well. So, you know, more power to him. And we do let, everyone does like Spider-Man films. Just Sony doesn't have a, the best reputation with, with the character. And I think people are getting kind of fatigued of him for a while, but with Tom Holland and Marvel, I think that things are starting to, to turn around for him on the, on the big screen. Well, it also helps when you have a huge surprise hit in Venom, which actually produced like the AAA box office hit Sony was hoping for that I didn't think and many others didn't think was going to get to that level of excitement and that level of box office success. Thank you, China, for that one when it comes to Venom, because it has been a humongous hit in China, even more so, much more so than it was in the United States. So it's good to see Sony actually thriving with a billion-dollar property in their own Spider-Verse when it comes to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and Venom combined doing very well at the box office in 2018 and making it seem like there are other things within the Spider-Verse outside of Tom Holland's Spider-Man that they can go ahead and count on for great things in the future. When it comes to other things in the future, when it comes to cinema, it was kind of disappointing for anyone that was rooting for Mortal Engines, the Peter Jackson produced movie fantasy movie that unfortunately fell flat with consumers and audiences out there, not even garnering $8 million domestically here at the box office. And worldwide, it still hasn't reached $50 million yet. I'll tell you, man, this isn't a good sign for Peter Jackson. His cachet when it comes to outside Lord of the Rings is just not that good. His track record is just not that good. And if it doesn't have Lord of the Rings in front of it, it's really kind of a bummer because Yes, the Hobbit movies did very well. All three of them garnered right at or near a billion dollars each. My question to you is, Peter Jackson going forward, anything attached to his name, whether he's in a producer role or he's in a director role, do you see him not achieving any level of verifiable success if he's not doing something within the Lord of the Rings realm? Sadly, I don't see him doing that well outside of Lord of the Rings. And it's not because it's the movies that he's making are necessarily bad. I think it's just because people aren't as open to new franchises like that. If it's a, if it was a Netflix series, that'd be a whole different story. I'm sure people will be watching the crap out of it, but with movies, not, you know, and I understand now why Disney doesn't want to do, you know, a lot of original content anymore is because people don't want to go see it. You know, there's not a lot of interest in it. So if he keeps returning to something like Lord of the Rings, of course he'll make money. But the moment you want to venture outside of something and create something new, bring something new movie experience, it's not going to do that well. And that's sad, but, you know, it's just the way it is, I guess. And uh, will we ever reach a time when people are willing to give new movies, new franchises a chance? Who knows? But, you know, I I hope this doesn't stop filmmakers from trying. I hope it signifies though that there needs to be some type of responsible spending when it comes to these types of movies that don't have that kind of track record other properties have. I hope that these producers and directors will still try to go ahead and make these type of fantasy movies, sci-fi movies, whatever type of movies that will try to capture an audience, but I just don't want to see them go and say, hey, look, I'm going to throw $100, $150 million at you. And I know it was going to stick, and it doesn't stick with audiences. So maybe a more financially sound venture on its original platform or its original try for a movie like Mortal Engines or something within that realm, maybe in the offering where it's a lower risk, higher reward type scenario, as opposed to just throwing a whole bunch of cash out there and attaching Peter Jackson's name to it and saying, look, Lord of the Rings producer involved it's going to make a ton of money and a story. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case for Mortal Engines. It looks like it's going to be a bomb of massive proportions, and it doesn't look like there's going to be any type of extenuating story onto it unless it appears on some order of format like a streaming or television service down the road. One last thing before we head on out as far as our coverage of the box office this weekend. 
Give some props to Clint Eastwood, my friend. The Mule garnering $17 million at the box office this weekend domestically. And I'll tell you what, for 88 years old, man, to still be a major force in the movie industry, doing a great job directing and also acting within this movie. I'll tell you what, got to give props to Clint Eastwood. You know what? At 88 years old, he's not going to be doing this much longer. Yeah, he's a he's a good filmmaker. He makes gritty films, and there seems to still be a market for that. But like you know, I look back at movies like Mystic River and uh, Flags of Our Fathers and things like that. Like he's he does not make bad movies. It's uh, you know, it's just whether or not people are willing to go see them. And you know, luckily for him, he's already has his his reputation established, so he can make something and. Like, this movie looks interesting. I do want to go see it, but he does have the ability to try new things, and he's not expected to make billions of dollars back on it, so he has more freedom to kind of do what he wants. And, you know, more often than not, his films end up being really good and, and being nominated for things, so that that's cool. But it looks like an, it's an interesting premise, interesting movie. You know, I've been seeing some of the uh, the trailers and the posters and all that stuff, and I'm... I do want to watch it, but I probably will... It'll probably be something I read box or on demand. Well, the 1517 to Paris, I think that was a misstep for him because, in fact, he actually used the real individuals involved that stopped the terrorist on that train. I think that was kind of a misstep that he didn't actually have actors represented in those roles. I think that's probably what took a lot of people out. Ironically, out of the film that they used the actual real individuals involved because they didn't have the acting chops, even though it was actually their story that they were telling so it, that's kind of amusing in and of itself. But his last one didn't fare so well. But this one debuting at number two at the box office domestically looks like it's going to have a nice little run of its own. Is it going to be comparable to his previous successes recently, like American Sniper and Sully? No, not quite. But it's still, it might turn a nice, tidy little profit. And at 88 years old, Clint Eastwood is not going to be able to do this much longer. So Anyone out there who is a Clint Eastwood fan that wants to see some of his work before he heads on out, it's nice to go ahead and check out to see that he's still doing some stuff that's contributing to audiences out there. And the Mule is performing quite nicely with a number two debut at the box office. What are your thoughts out there on the box office this weekend? Were you glad that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a big hit at the box office? Do you think there's a long success story there? And do you think that it's going to be ending up with a long Spider-Verse attached to it with side stories, sequels that are continuously going to be supported by consumers out there? What are your thoughts on Mortal Engines? Were you sad to see it perform so poorly? Also share your thoughts on Clint Eastwood, 88 years old, and still bring them in with the mule. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we've got Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. He's going to share his thoughts on a great turkey cooking idea that you got to hear coming up after the break. And we also got later in the program, Mike Favor from ESOPodcast.com, and also as well, our thoughts on Mary Poppins Returns as she returns y'all to the theaters. But first, it's our good friends, Hyperschmidt and Trudie. This is a song that both Hyperschmidt and Trudie played live at our Retro City Games holiday game night event. This is About to Win, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with air. Staring at the finish line The darkness running out of time I'll do what it takes to get you Cause now 
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge? The next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the program. I hope you have eaten before this next segment because I just want to warn you because there's going to be a lot of great food talk coming up because he is back with a vengeance, one of the most celebrated grilling podcasts out there. We are just so grateful to have him on each and every time. He is the master of the barbecue coming from all the way down in that beautiful country known as Australia. It is the host of the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. You've got to check it out today, either on smokinghotconfessions.com, already a couple great seasons in the book. Got to check it out today on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many other different podcast outlets. It is my good friend, and I did eat before this podcast. It is Ben Arnaud. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, mate, bit of this, bit of that. I'll tell you what, my friend, maybe what people would consider the best for last when it concerns holiday meals, because it's around the corner, my friend. The holidays are here, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, the whole nine yards with a lot of people that celebrate all over the world. I ask you, my friend, there's going to be a lot of holiday parties that are going around, a lot of business parties, a lot of Christmas parties that might be coming up, and also family gatherings as well. Your thoughts on some great holiday meal ideas that you know will just rock the socks off everyone at your next holiday party? Well, I've got just the perfect thing in mind for you. So a lot of people get quite stressed out about the holidays. And so one of the best things that you can do when you're stressed out is to just smoke a fatty and relax. And so, of course, I'm talking about smoking a Thanksgiving fatty, which is a particular recipe that I've come up with. Now, a fatty in the barbecue world. It's not a new idea. I certainly didn't come up with the idea, but I did pioneer this Thanksgiving version. So smoking a turkey or roasting a turkey in the oven, it's hours and hours and hours. It's constant primping and pandering of the thing because you you don't want it to dry out. You've got to try and get it all done, like all the different pieces of the bird done at the same time. And it really can be quite stressful. So what I came up with was a version of the uh, of, of the fatty, also called a, a bomb. Some people call it a bomb. That's based around some traditional Thanksgiving flavors. So I started out with some turkey mints, and I laid out some uh, some baking paper, seasoned the mints up, however you want to season it up, put it out on the baking paper, another piece of baking paper over the top, and then rolled it out flat with a rolling pin uh, like it was a dough um, until it's about a half inch thick and a nice sort of rectangular sort of shape. And then I did the same thing with my stuffing. I made this beautiful, delicious sort of celery and breadcrumb stuffing. And I did the, I did something very similar. I laid it out on some baking paper, another piece of baking paper, rolled it out flat. And then I peeled the top piece of baking paper off each of those flat sheets and laid one over, smack down on top of the other one. And then you roll it up into uh, almost like a blanket. And so you end up with layer upon layer of turkey and then stuffing as it rolls up into a big long tube and you put that tube aside in the fridge so so it, it sets while you do the next bit and the next bit of course is a bacon weave of course so of course of course so you or your nice long pieces of streaky bacon and you sort of crisscross them out it's difficult to explain in an audio format but i've got some uh, some good photos of it on the website there um, you sort of crisscross lay it out to form a, a woven blanket of bacon. And then you get that big cylinder of, uh, of turkey meat and stuffing. You lay that onto your bacon blanket, your bacon weave, and you roll that up and secure it with toothpicks. And then you put that in there on your grill and you smoke that up on the grill. And you, you can do it on a hot smoke. You can do it on a low smoke, similar to the jalapenos. It's going to be done when the bacon's done to the way you want it. 
it's very difficult to um, to measure it for an internal temperature because you've got all those different layers of meat and stuffing. So you, you you're not going to be quite sure if you're temp testing the stuffing or the or the mints. So judge it by the bacon, and then you can just very simply while the grill's running, put your veggies on there. So all your traditional roast veggies that you like to have with with your turkey, put them in a tray, drizzle some oil over it, toss the uh, the vegetables so they're coated in the oil, throw on some rock salt or some kosher salt or some sea salt, whichever one you like, bit of fresh cracked black pepper, put them on about an hour before you want to put the turkey in because the veggies are going to take a little bit more time than this turkey. And make sure that when you put the turkey in, it's sitting um, on a tray so you're going to take your turkey fatty, your Thanksgiving fatty. You want to put that on like on a, on a cake rack and then sit that whole thing on a tray, put a cup of water in the tray and put that in the smoker. And what that's going to do, that's going to catch all that bacon and turkey and stuffing drippings. And when the turkey's done, while that's resting, you're going to turn that into a delicious gravy. So the gravy is going to be made with all the bacon drippings and the stuffing juices. And so you're going to have all your roast veggies, your turkey, and your gravy all done outside on the barbecue, and uh, it's just going to be amazing, and it's going to take you a lot less time, and you're going to be a lot less stressed. Oh, my gosh. Can't wait for the holidays now. It's just another awesome idea. Ugh, you're just awful to me. Uh, just <laughs> I mean, you're just so awful to me here. The way you go ahead and describe these awesome meals that you cook up. And if, again, if people want to continue to see what these ideas are all about in action, check it out today, smokinghotconfessions.com. Just an awesome place to go. But you've heard it from me. Now you're going to hear it from the man himself. So, Ben, before we head on out, why do you need to go to smokinghotconfessions.com and why do you need to listen to all the episodes that are available today on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all those other podcast outlets when it comes to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Well, mate, if you like barbecue, Smoking Hot Confessions is the place to go. We've got everything that you're ever going to want to read or to listen to about barbecue. So I do interviews with professionals in the industry. I actually traveled to the U.S., and I did a tour through Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas, and I interviewed different experts and professionals on the way and sort of got a real idea about how barbecue in different states is different to each other. Season two was all about if you want to start a business in barbecue, I, I identified 15 different business models and then interviewed successful people in each of those models. Season one was about competition barbecue. So that's uh, 10 lessons, everything that, that you would need to know to go from your backyard to the pit yard. And the website itself, mate, I love taking photographs. I love writing and that is just chock full of recipes, tips, how-tos. If you have any kind of interest in barbecue whatsoever, if you're out there listening to that right now, Smoking Hot Confessions is your one-stop shop for everything you need. That is, again, SmokingHotConfessions.com and the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Again, catch it today, hopefully on a full stomach, because it's going to leave you very hungry. And you can catch it today on Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over a dozen different podcast outlets. My friend, it's just so great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. We are back with the program. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Well, it's that time again. We are continuing our top five of 2018. So many great thoughts already from some great people all around the world. But I had to get this guy on and make sure he lets us know what his top five of 2018 is. He is the mastermind behind the ESO Network. You got to check it out today at ESO Network and ESOPodcast.com all the great shows that are attached, including all the ones that he's a part of and been doing for so many years, including the ESO podcast and just so many other ESO podcasts that he's related to, all the special events that they're a part of and everything going on in pop culture. He always a hand in knowing about 
talking about and reporting on along with all the other great podcasts on his network, along with all of his good friends as well that help him out. It is also a good friend of mine and a guy that I just wished happy holidays to. It is Mike Faber. Thank you for having me back on the show. I appreciate it. Happy holidays to you and your listeners. Thank you as well. Although our selections for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kind of deviated from what both you and I and also Kevin from the Flopcast kind of differed from all of our choices. Oh, very much so. But, you know, they're all good bands that get in there. And, you know, whoever's in there, you know, they are a diverse crowd this year. It, you know, you got the best of punk rock. You got the best of new wave. You got you know, more of a hair metal band, but you also had a diva and Stevie Nicks and you also had uh, Janet Jackson. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty diverse list indeed. Although I think LL Cool J and Kraftwerk, I think are trying for that Susan Lucci award as far as to see how many nominations they can get without being inducted in. So looks like they're on their way. Oh, exactly. As they'd like to say, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. This is true. Definitely in her case, it was for many. Well, I think well over a dozen, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, need I digress? But, oh, of course. I, I do understand. They haven't nominated me for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet either. So it's okay. We got to put in your name for the Podcasting Hall of Fame. How about that? When they finally come oh, I'm out. I'm old enough to be, and I've been doing this long enough. Maybe you're right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you're here to share your top five in 2018. So many diverse lists that have come up already. I know yours is going to be just as awesome. So, Mike, you got to share with me and the listeners out there exactly what is your top five in 2018. Okay, I'm going to have to start on a negative note for my five. And I'm going to go from five down to one. So the first one was kind of a reality check happened in August of 2018 with the shooting at the John Madden tournament in Jacksonville. We've always thought the geek community was always very solid. And I do count video games as a geek community. And even though it's a sports ball, you know, event and a lot of the geeks that I know joke about, oh, you like sports or whatever. Even if it's sports or video games or whatever, this shooting in Jacksonville was just completely senseless. And it was horrible just to see what happened. And it's just kind of really scary in a lot of ways, showing that something like this could happen eventually at San Diego or Dragon Con or New York Comic Con. You know, we're, we've been very lucky. And Dragon Con was a week after this event, and the police presence at Dragon Con was like none I've ever seen before. So it was just pretty amazing. Well, I want to say this. We are recording this a day before a charity event, the holiday game event at Retro City Games which we're doing video game tournaments in Fortnite, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And in the past years, we would just say, hey, we're going to have a great time, no problems, no, nothing at all. Well, I had to make sure it outlined the rules and whatnot, because it is now in the forefront of my mind, because we've actually done a charity fundraiser for the victims of Jacksonville at Retro City Games before. This is going to be even bigger with more people coming in that are not regulars of the store, not regulars as part of the community that's usually there. So we are a little bit more concerned, and it does bring that to our attention. What happened in Jacksonville can happen anywhere. So it is a little bit on the forefront of our mind exactly when we do these type of events, and especially when now when you go to a con of any size, of any length, and it's out there, and it's just unfortunate that it's infringed on our geek culture. Exactly. And, you know, I'm a huge music fan, as you know, because we talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and such. And look what happened out there in Vegas last year, you know, with the shooting. It was the Mirage. Uh, was, no, it was no. actually across the street from the Mandalay Bay. Uh, it's, That's it was, right. In fact, it was, it was used in the past for American Ninja Warrior in the past, among other festivities that were there. And fortunately, it just it was a terrible day here in Las Vegas. It's just a, a crazy world we live in right now. It's just so different from the one you and I both were part of so many years back. Mm -hmm, exactly. But, you know, one more negative that I'm going to bring up for my next one. Number four, and it's not really a negative because it is. it had a positive outcome, was Kevin Smith's heart attack. 
And, you know, Kevin Smith is huge in the geek community. You know, he does now a podcast called Fat Man Beyond because because of his heart attack, he, you know, he lost almost 100 pounds completely. And he's a testament. He was doing a live show. He felt a pressure on his chest before he went to the second set. He said, I need to get to the hospital. And he had a heart attack. They call it the widow maker. Not many people survive what he had. And it's just amazing that we still have Kevin Smith to enjoy. And it's just, it's pretty darn awesome. And out of something bad, this is good because for myself, even I'm not Kevin Smith size by any means weight wise, but even someone like my weight, you know, 20 pounds overweight or something thought I got to take care of myself. I can't keep on enjoying the lifestyle and leading, you know, 50 is pushing real close and I've got to be around for at least another hundred years or so. So, you know, it makes sense. Same here. It does. It was an eye opener and it does make you want to make lifestyle changes. For me, it actually took a look at what exactly I was doing with my life. And I had to get off as far as the, the caffeinated drinks. I wanted to go ahead and change my eating habits. And it does make you think as far as if it can happen to him, it could certainly happen to anyone else. Exactly. And you just got to be very, very careful with that kind of stuff. That was So that was my next one, my number four. Number three. It has to be Infinity Wars. Definitely has to be Infinity War. The you mean biggest that little movie. indie movie? Yeah, that, that little, little movie, movie that maybe nobody ever mentions or anything. <laughs> the movie that just disappeared with a snap, you know, just like that. And it was geekdom from the very beginning to the very end, seeing that up there and to see the combination of 10 years of Marvel movies all combined with every almost every character they had from all the different movies and it was just breathtaking everyone had their oh my god moment when thanos snapped his fingers and i'm looking forward to seeing what comes next so for me it was just awesome my co-host josh peterson talked about how the critic culture that we have in our society today sometimes can get too petty one of those things I actually observed today, earlier this week when it came to Variety, I believe it was, or Hollywood Reporter, one of those, talking about the worst movies of 2018, and they specifically mentioned at the top of their list Infinity War, and not because of the fact that the movie might have been bad or really anything outlined in the paragraph didn't really pertain to anything pointedly bad about the movie because it's actually one of my top 10 favorite movies that's out there this year. And I think it's a well-made movie, by the way. But this critic was pointing out that it was a collective groan from him who's had to endure the 10 years of Marvel superhero movies that are out there, which for him was like, I guess I could compare it to, and I'm paraphrasing, scratching on a chalkboard, which for us is just like heaven because, you know, as part of the geekdom that's out there and people who love pop culture this is everything to us. This was a culmination of an event that I believe in every bit of my mind and so many others like me and you paid off and paid off in spades. Oh, exactly. And, you know, that gets into my number two a little bit because I'm, my number two, of course, is the passing of Stan Lee. And, you know, it wasn't a surprise. You know, Stan was 95, almost 96. And, that's just amazing that we were, you know, given that kind of gift to have him for so long, a true ambassador to the industry. You could be a comic fan, you could be a movie fan, but you knew who Stan Lee was. And every Marvel movie, you can count on a cameo by Stan Lee somewhere. And Stan, ever since I was a little kid, he was the ambassador for comic books. He did Stan Soapbox. He was Stan the Man, the editor. He was Stan the Man, the writer. He's the reason I got into comics. The first thing I even remember reading was Origins of Marvel Comics by Stan Lee. And just reading the Amazing Fantasy 15, Fantastic Four number one, X-Men number one, Doctor Strange, Captain America. You can keep on going. And Stan was there. And Stan was the person to bring this all out. Stan, you know, pretty much is the Mark Twain of our generation. He created a full 
set of characters who are basically now the Greek mythology of a modern era. And it's pretty darn amazing when you think about everything this one man did. Yes, he had help. He had artists and he had other writers helping him out and such. But this is little Stanley who grew up in Brooklyn and he had an imagination and finally decided I'm going to, in the early 1960s, I'm going to write comic books full time. So. It was just amazing to think about. But the thing that bothers me about it and leads back into what we were talking before are these critics and such. People like Bill Maher or um, other actors like who basically were like poo-pooing, oh, the problem with society is brought on by Stan Lee because he created these comic books that or movies that created really lazy fat ugly unmotivated people you know and it's just true because what they say you know the way they're saying it is i'm a successful person i read comics and i'm very motivated to do stuff in life and i've been reading comics since i was four years old i also read literature i'm also a scholar at religious studies and i also know probably more about certain things than he does or some of these people do don't judge a book by its cover you know these people who are claiming oh stanley wasn't anything that's just a load of crud and i like bill maher i really do but bill maher is just one person and he's entitled to his opinion even if I don't agree with it. It's the same thing, you know, when other people talk about how it's a kiddie thing and, you know, how comic books were for little kids. I used to own a comic shop, folks. I also used to own a movie theater and it was, it did really well for a while. And it's just, that was my income. That was what brought me in and made me happy for quite a long time. It's just, Depending what you're into, that's cool. Some people like sports. Some people like art. We do a segment on our show called The Geek Seat. And when people come to me and say, hey, I'm not really a geek. You know, I don't read comics or watch sci-fi. And it's like, are you a fan of art? Are you a fan of music? Are you a fan of literature? Are you a fan of sports? You could be a geek about anything. And that's what's the wonderful thing about it. And Stan brought that out for everybody in in their own way. And Stan Lee will be remembered in a very positive way. I have been roasted in that geek seat on my initial entry into the ESO network. So I do know how it is. And I was glad that I, according to you guys out there, that I passed with flying colors. So it's great that I I was able to go ahead and continue on with the network because I know that was a do or die situation in the geek seat right there. You do know there are people still stuck in the geek seat because they haven't earned our respect yet. So you you have something going for you right there, my friend. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm just glad to be out of the geek seat and be able to go ahead and listen to your shows as you continue to roast others in that geek seat. But I will say this, when it comes to Stan Lee's legacy, so many people over the past few months, not only upon his death, but just before and whatnot in recent years, have tried to go ahead and peck at the legacy from family members that were accused of wrongdoing as far as the way he was being treated to other individuals outside of the realm to you know, all the other individuals looking to take credit and their share of the pie as far as what his his actual creations were, and also take shots at him for wanting the spotlight and wanting to embrace the spotlight and embrace all the fans out there. You know what? I think that they all want to go ahead and take shots at him and take parts of those legacy because it is such a huge legacy that he left us in this world. And the fact is so many of us out there would not even entertain any type of uh, realm within the comic book era because of the fact that if he wasn't there promoting it, so many of us would not know anything about comic books or would not even want to get involved with it. And it's due to his efforts in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and whatnot that allowed Marvel to prosper eventually. I know they went through some rough times, but to be able to have the comic book superhero movies that we have today and so much credit should be given to him and his legacy, no matter how many people try to pick at it, unfortunately, it's still a humongous legacy that will definitely live on for some time to come exactly so yeah i definitely think it was just amazing stan is 
Stan. And it's weird that next year when I go to Dragon Con, he won't be there and such. It was just, you know, Stan was a staple and he will be missed. I sadly enough never got to meet the man personally. But I'm not one of those people who always wants their picture taken with celebrities or get autographs and such. So, but it would have been, I would have loved to just pick his mind for an hour. I would have been in awe type thing. So it's pretty darn awesome with that. All right. Number one, this was a tough one for me, actually, because there is so much cool stuff going on and everything to see between the stuff that Netflix is doing with the last of the Marvel shows, what DC is starting to do with Titans and what they are doing with the stuff on the CW or, but for me, truthfully, and it was had to be seeing Freddie Mercury up on film and see, watching Bohemian Rhapsody and having almost the full 20-minute performance of Live Aid up at the end of the film was true bliss for me. It was my number one geek out moment, if you want to put it that way, for, the, for this year. Remy Malek, who I never had heard of before, ever. And who's this guy who's going to be playing Freddy? Oh, look, he has Freddy's teeth. I wonder if that's going to get a co-star role for it. But it was just amazing and how they captured the movie. I walked out of the movie, truthfully, though, feeling a little like, hmm, did I like it? Did I not? But just when I started thinking about how awesome it was, it grew on me. And it has quickly become my favorite movie of the year. So that had to be my number one spot. I liked it even more than Infinity Wars, folks. So. Wow, that's uh, something indeed. But it was powered by an award-nominating performance for Remy Malek, who's garnering a lot of acclaim for the performance. The movie itself has done gangbusters, not only here in the United States, but abroad as well. So it looks like it was a successful movie overall. When it was looking at times like... It wasn't even going to get into production because there were issues. Sasha Baron Cohen was at one time was tied into it. Then there were other production issues, but finally got made, finally got put out there. And for better, for worse, from some people that are out there that didn't like it, there are many others that did. And a lot of it is driven by the amazing performance by Remy Malik in the lead role as Freddie Mercury. I agree with you that his performance there looks like it's outstanding and it's something that's going to drive the movie forward to even more success when it hits home video because it's almost ending its run theatrically, but nobody can say that it wasn't a success overall because it definitely enlightened a lot of people and it definitely brought out another revival of Queen and their music because Bohemian Rhapsody actually hit the charts once again, which is amazing. It's, I think, the third time that it's done that. So a great job by Remy Malek and everyone involved as far as Bohemian Rhapsody. And I can see why you made it number one on your list. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it, it just was truly amazing to see. And, you know, a lot of it was works of fiction or the stories are based on true facts, but might have been changed for to protect the innocent. So, yeah, there were things that have changed for the movie but there's plenty of documentaries out there or there's books talking about what really happened but it was still entertaining and that's what all that counts that's my list my friends that is the list once again of mike faber from the eso network you got to check out his eso podcast his eso doctor who podcast and so many others on the eso network but i gotta ask you one last question my friend why do people need to tune into all the great things at the ESO Network. Because it's your network for all things geek. How's that? Nice, short, and sweet. I was just going to say the same thing. I was expecting a, a little bit more detailed. Because actually, if everybody wants to hear the long version of that instead of the cliff notes, they got to go and check out our conversation with me, Kevin, and Mike Faber on one of our previous episodes when we were talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on any one of our channels. In fact, do it on the ESO Network and check that out in the backlogs, in the archives, because it was actually two great conversations we had. And he goes into detail exactly everything, why you need to check out the ESOPodcast.com that's out there, all the great shows, including ours, 
We are so honored and blessed to be a part of your network. Just cannot thank you enough for not only allowing us on the network, but also taking the time to share your top five on the show with us as well. It's my pleasure to always have you guys involved. You guys are a fantastic part of our network, and we love how you guys are growing and evolving. It's a great show. We're trying. We're trying. Like I said, a lot of it is in part to our relationship with the ESO network. We cannot thank you enough for being part of it. And again, happy holidays to you and the family, everyone involved with the ESO network. So great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is a Pop Culture Cosmos. want to thank Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Also as well, Mike Faber from ESONetwork.com. If you want to check out a listing of where we're at anywhere in the world that we're being played, because we're being played on radio stations all around the world, seven days a week, check out our listings on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, which has listings of many of the over 30 different podcast networks that we're on as well my friend you've got a great thing going on with humanica media share us your thoughts my friend what's going on with your great experience known as humanica media check out footage of the show from this weekend on our facebook page follow us on facebook and you'll be able to keep up with everything absolutely because there's a lot of great live streaming that your guys did with topic Ocalypse, also game source as well on the Retro City Games Facebook page. Plus, if you take a look, you'll see on Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Retro City Games, you'll see great performances by Vedius, Hyperschmidt, and TrueDie as well. So cannot thank them all enough for being a part of it. It was a great day. Also want to thank Mario Party Wars and Go Brothers Gaming, and of course, everyone at Retro City Games. My friend, before we head on out, we got to talk about Mary Poppins, y'all. And I know I keep dropping that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 reference there. For you and I, that was probably the only good reference in that movie because it just was kind of a disappointment to us, sorry to say. But your thoughts on Mary Poppins Returns, and do you think the movie is going to perform well enough to have Disney close out on a strong note at the box office? Honestly, I don't think I'm glad they made the movie, but I don't see it doing crazy numbers. I don't think that it has a big enough fan base still around to appreciate it. It's a sequel to a movie that's for us. It's going to, it's like Blade Runner, but with Disney, right? Cause the first one was far too old and a lot of people didn't go back and watch it. It's going to be the same thing with this movie. So, you know, I, I like the idea of it. I know some pe- musical fans are looking forward to it, but I just don't see it doing very well. What do you think? I see it doing okay. I, I don't see it doing very strong numbers. I think it'll get maybe a little bit above what Christopher Robin and A Wrinkle in Time did, which is right around the $100 million mark domestically. I think it will do a little bit more than that, maybe 150. The only reason why I say it won't do much more than that domestically is because of the fact that Aquaman hits this weekend, and that's going to take a great share of the numbers because even though it's been all over the place critically, A lot of people are very interested in it because it looks like both you and I are saying it's going to be a lot of fun, that movie, and that will preview coming up here at the end of the week on our PCC Multiverse show. But for now, Mary Poppins Returns comes out a little bit earlier. It's getting a head start, but I still think it's going to be something that is going to do okay. It's going to do pretty good, but it's not going to be that slam dunk hit that I think Disney thought it would be some months ago when they first did that debut trailer and whatnot. I just, I think it's going to do okay worldwide. I think maybe what three, 400 worldwide. I think it's going to take a nice little chunk of change, but I do not think it's going to garner huge numbers. I hopefully I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be, like you said, something that's going to be in and out of the theaters pretty quickly because it's just going to garner its small niche out there, a hundred, $150 million, somewhat nostalgic, 
like you said, it's not going to reach a younger audience that much unless they're into Lin-Manuel Miranda because of his fame from Hamilton. That could be the secret weapon of this movie that we're not counting on being at a hit. My honest opinion, I don't think it's going to do well because I think the movie is far too old to pull new fans in. And like, if I were a kid coming up in high school and someone's like, Mary Poppins, I wouldn't know what that is. And if someone showed me a clip of the old Mary Poppins, I would never go back and watch that. Do you think that's going to be the same thing for Dumbo, The Lion King, and others? Reboots that they have imagined for a live action format? I don't think so, because those aren't sequels. You don't have to go back and watch anything to understand them, because you're getting what you're getting from the old films, but you're just getting it in an updated version, whereas this is a continuation. They can fail probably a couple times in a year and still do okay, depending on what they put out. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe Mary Poppins, too, will be popular because people do enjoy the musicals. But, yeah, man, I'm I'm not seeing it do great things. But I think Disney's still going to be okay. Disney will be doing okay for some time to come. I think, like I said, with so much that they're doing worldwide, grossing this year, plus their next year looks even better with so many movies on the way, such as The Avengers 4, Captain Marvel, Dumbo, The Lion King, Star Wars Episode Nine, so many other movies that they have in the queue. Don't feel bad for Disney if Mary Poppins Returns doesn't reach that magical height of some of the other films that they're expecting it to. It still will be a great year for Disney, even if Mary Poppins Returns doesn't return on a high note. What are your thoughts out there on Mary Poppins Returns? Are you excited to go ahead and check the movie out and relive that world of Mary Poppins? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, you made it to the finish line for another week of the Pop Culture Cosmos after a long drive, both to and from Las Vegas and a great all-day event at the Retro City Games Holiday Game Night. What do you say, my friend? What do you say? I say I'm ready for bed, man. <laughs> ready to sleep. No, it was fun, man. I look forward to doing the next one whenever it comes around. And anyone who showed up or watched the streams, thank you. We appreciate it. And don't forget to check out Miracle Fruit Oil. They got some good stuff going on. And thank you so much. Special shout out as well to Rob McCallum Films, who provided codes and DVDs, Miracle Fruit Oil, which provided Vita Brace gaming bracelets, and to all of our friends at Game Source, Humanic Media, Topicocalypse, Go Brothers Gaming, Game Source, Mario Party Wars, and of course, our great friends at Retro City Games. Truly want to thank all the people that were involved in helping out, and truly want to thank everybody for showing up and being a part of such a great event. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Greetings, Starfighters. It's Sean from the Rusted Robot Podcast. Join me and the Rusty crew as we break down the latest geeky movie trailers, talk about TV, comics, toys, games, casting news, and all things nerdy. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the ESO Network, and at therustedrobot.podbean.com. The Rusted Robot Podcast, your source for geek since 2014. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way.
Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.